Hello to all the rugby league diehards and welcome to another episode of Six to Go. My name is Tom Campbell and it's great to have your company. As we head into today's episode, you know how it works. We'll cover six topics related to the game or even their own career. My guest this week is Anthony Maroon. Maroon was my first ever guest on the Six to Go podcast and he's back to help me break down what happened in Origin 2. Also, what's going on with his beloved South Sydney. Hope you enjoy our chat. Here's Anthony Maroon. I'm joined by Anthony Maroon as the next guest on the 60 Go podcast. Anthony, how are you, mate? Oh, good to catch up with you, Tom. How are you, mate? I'm really good. It's a pleasure to have you back on. I've got six topics to cover with you. And we'll kick things off with State of Origin Game 2. New South Wales level the series and send it to a decider with a 44-12 win in Perth. What's your biggest takeaway from Origin 2? Uh, look, I think the biggest takeaway, mate, is that, you know, I think it, it, there's a definite uh, advantage for having multiple players from the one club in the team. Uh, maybe I'm stating the obvious, but, you know, I don't think we've ever seen a New South Wales side so stacked with players from one team. So, obviously, we had seven from Penrith, plus Matt Burt, who, of course, only left Penrith at the start of this year. So I kind of feel like Matty Burton was right at home with his old teammates, and I feel like it was a Penrith-led recovery, obviously. And, um, you know, I think Queenslanders probably go, yeah, well, um, what's the big deal? We all know that because, you know, Queenslanders would think of those times when, you know, in the 90s when the sides were stacked with Broncos players, the Queensland sides. But we haven't really seen that in New South Wales, I don't think, where the team's been so stacked with uh, players from one club, and I think it really helped. What did New South Wales get right that they did in game one? Um, look, you know, this is an interesting one, Tom. I don't, there's not a lot that... I don't think that there's a lot that they didn't get right in game one. I mean, they only lost by a try. They were on the line about to quite possibly score at the end there. And there was that... I thought that was that controversial decision about a try earlier on in the piece. So, mate, I don't think they did a lot wrong. Maybe if, if, if we want to... Um, you know, split hairs or, or be really picky. I suppose you could say, well, you know, Trevojevic, Jake Trevojevic wasn't in the side for game one. But, uh, look, you know, it's very competitive origin, isn't it? There wasn't much in it in game one. I don't think they did a lot wrong. Nathan Cleary was the man of the match. What do you think his ceiling can be? He's still so young. And when we look back on his career, when it's all said and done, what do you think the potential is for his career? Yeah, look, it's certainly one of the greats, mate. He's 24 years old. Uh, I think he's played about 130 first-grade games. In that, obviously, he's won a premiership. And uh, he's going to be... So, look, he's going to be a 300-gamer. He's going to be an origin great. Now, you can guarantee he's going to be an origin great if he's not not already. And he's going to have played with some of the great Penrith players. Like, I think Isaiah Yo will go down as a Penrith great. But, you know, I, I mean... So 300 games, an origin great. Does he play his whole career with Penrith? Who knows? As, as you and I both know, mate, at Clubland, it, it can change very quickly. But certainly we think he'll be there for the next four, five, six years. And, you know, I think he's done things at origin level at 24 that blokes didn't do in their origin careers. So, um, you know, you know, the sky is the limit for, for Nathan Cleary. Could you find a space for Jack White in this team and how would you do it? Um, you know what, mate? If the only way 
the only way I'd do it is if I could get him on the bench because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think you want to... I think that would be really uncool for New South Wales to drop a bloke from a team that won 44-12. Um, I think the New South Wales centres were uh, outstanding. You're not going to drop Jerome Luai. So I don't know, mate. Maybe you take Talakai off the bench because his time will still come. His time's ahead of him. Maybe that's the only way. But, mate, I'm all for they won game two. Uh, take that squad. Take all that into game three. And there is some questions about Payne Haas. The, log- the logical replacement, if Payne wasn't able to go, would be Regan Campbell-Gillard, you'd think? I think so, mate. That's the way I'd be going. But hopefully Payne Haas will play. Moving on to the Felice Capusi Sinbin, obviously a turning point in the game. Was it the right call? I think it was, mate. You know, he, I think it was. You know, they, they, you know, they'd given away a couple of repeat sets. Um, he was holding the player down. I mean, have we got one rule for Origin and one rule for NRL? Because if we don't, then I think the I, I think the. Um, referee's decision was justified. I think he had to go, Felice Kafusi. Uh, sadly, they'd already gassed themselves defending their line, and that was kind of like the last straw. And, but I think it was justified, and I, they just didn't recover from that. In the simplest terms, they just didn't recover from that. There was a couple of obvious times, I thought, when they looked really gassed, Queensland. I think there was one time there where Jerome Nanai just looked at, uh, I beg your pardon, Jerome Luai, he just looked at Nanai and then just ran straight past him. They're like, and Nanai was just caught napping. And, um, you know, I just don't think they ever recovered from the from the Felice Kafusi thing. But I think anyone not even trained in the NRL uh, could see that. I agree with you. And uh, all, all we heard out of game one, and it started from the press conference straight after from Freddie, was we lost the ruck and inferred that it was on Ashley Klein and it came out that they weren't happy with uh, Ashley Klein's performance and he made it public that he had a meeting with him. Do you think that that had an impact on the way game two was refereed? Yeah, look, I, I think it probably did, mate, and I don't know if I think... I don't know that... Yes, I mean, should NRL, play, should NRL coaches be having one-on-one meetings with referees? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I, I mean, we don't... We, we never used to like the way that Cam Smith had these on-ground committee meetings with referees. So why should coaches be having uh, meetings? Maybe, you know, groups of coaches having meetings with referees. But I think one referee and one coach could be really intimidating for a referee, particularly if he's a younger referee uh, and he's sitting opposite a Wayne Bennett or a Craig Bellamy. Well, that was my next question. Do you think coaches should be able to meet with match officials uh, pre-game? And it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because referees are meant to be, you know, the ultimate impartial judge when it when yeah. it comes to rugby league. So I, I agree with you that I'm not I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of uh, coaches having meetings with referees. And you you hear about coaches sending in you know 50 clips of their games over the weekend to the referees boss and. I, I'm not a fan of that. Do you think we should be doing more to get that, get rid of that? I think so, mate. I think if referees want to meet with coaches, there should be an opportunity for them all to meet with the referees uh, via Zoom or uh, in a conference room. But this one-on-one business, mate, I, I don't like it at all. I, 
I think a referee could go out there after, you know, possibly, hypothetically, a referee could go out there after having that meeting and, you know, it's just in his head, you know, what, he, the, what he's discussed with that ref, with that coach. And I don't think we need that. And it, it's an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because, you know, the referee can, you know, let's say Freddie goes to Ashley Klein and says, you know, you, you were terrible with the ruck in game one, you let Queensland get away with all this stuff. Well, then... Ashley Klein has every right to say, well, you know what? Junior Paulo was lazy in defence there to let Derek Daly Sherry Evans score a try. Like, it, it, it's it, players get it wrong just as much as referees. Oh, of course they do, mate. Look, uh, you know, it's hard enough, probably hard enough to find young kids who want to be referees. And Look, I think that Freddie Fittler can play these mind games uh, in the press and say, look, we lost the ruck. Fine, that's fine. If, if he... If he gets some sort of change through, um, you know, saying that, uh, get some subliminal change or get some kind of uh, secret message across, that's fine. But, you know, one-on-one referee meetings with a referee before origin, nah. If you're Queensland, where do you go from here? Would you make any changes to the team if you're Billy? Um, look, I don't think so, mate. Not unless I had to, um, you know... I don't know. I don't know where we are with Reuben Cotter. If Reuben Cotter's available, I'd definitely have Reuben Cotter back. Um, but again, uh, this game is going to be in Queensland at Suncorp Stadium. We all know what a poor record New South Wales has in deciders up there in Queensland. And just remember, this side still has VCE, uh, Cam Munster. It still has Josh Papali. It still has Harry Grant. It still has Caelan Ponga. So I think a race, if I'm Queensland, just a race game too. It kind of just got away from them anyway. Like we've already discussed that um, they never recovered from that sin bin. But then there was that period there where the floodgates didn't really just open and it blew out a little bit. So I'm going in there with some really experienced origin players like DCE, like Munster, like Papali, like I said. And... um, you know, you go in there at Suncorp. I think Suncorp's got to be worth 10 points to a Queensland side. And I wouldn't be making any changes. I wouldn't be panicking. We've seen at origin level that one week it could be 13-12, next week it could be 50-10, to 10, and the week after it could be 22-20. So there's no reason for anyone to panic. If, if history's anything to go on, Tom, New South Wales will get way ahead of themselves again. And Queensland will probably flog them, and that's me as the New South Welshman saying that. Well, I, I love I love Dane Gay guy as much as the, as the next Queenslander, and I'm sure you've got a soft spot for him with all of his years at South. But the fact of the matter is, he's missed 18 tackles in two games. Where, where do you draw the line for selection between state of origin legend for Queensland, but clearly is not in form? Well, you know, we always hear that you, you, you Queenslanders like to pick and stick. Um, and here's the bloke, I think, Tommy might have recently clicked over 20 Origin games. Yep. So if you pick and stick, leave the bloke there. He plays, as I say, at Suncorp Stadium. Um, win, lose or draw, then maybe a look at the future of Dane Gagai. But I'm not dumping him for Game 3. And let me ask you a question. You dump him, what are you going to do there? What are you thinking? I, I think that I think that he his best argument for uh, selection again is the fact that we, we are... Our weakest part is our outside backs. There's no doubt about it. But I wouldn't rule out a move to the wing and put Capewell in at the centre. I wouldn't rule that out. But I'm, I am with you for now. I would keep him at centre. I think 
I think that uh, being back up at Suncorp is a big advantage, and I, I just think in this situation you've got to back him. I, I agree, mate. I really do. I think he's a big game player. He might have missed 18 tackles, but in his 20-year career in Origin, he's done more good things than bad. And I think experience is going to count for everything. And Gagai's obviously played, as, as we've now said a couple of times, a lot of Origin. He's the grand final player, and he's been around for a long time. So, uh, as I say, maybe playing this game, if it doesn't work out next year, you go down the other route. But I'm going with experience this time. I agree. Uh, uh, just rounding out Origin, are there any positives you can take out of that performance from a Queensland perspective? Uh, yeah, look, I think there's a lot of positives to come out of it, mate. You know, they were right in it up until that that untimely sin bidding. And, um, you know, we don't see... I don't. We don't see teams... I think in the old days, we probably used to see teams when they're a man down, they completely lose the game. They lose the plot. We don't see that much so much anymore. Sometimes we even see a, a player get sent to the sin bin and the team that's, that's only got 12 on the field hold their own for 10 minutes. For some reason, that didn't happen. And I think it was because they'd already uh, defended that line so much. And up until that point, we've got to remember, Tom, that was half-time. Queensland were going good. Munster was, Munster was... I thought they were going, you know, toe-to-toe, try-for-try for try New South Wales. So, I mean, I know a rugby league game's 80 minutes long, not 40 minutes long, but I think there's a lot of great things to be taken out of that. I think there's a lot of great players in that Queensland side. I still love the halves, um, and I still think they play, for the most part, with a lot more spirit than New South Wales. And You know, they've got a great spine, and the way they use Harry Grant, um, you, know, that's a, you know, that's the future of rugby league, isn't it? You know, you start off one of your guns off the off the bench and he just comes on. We saw in game one, he just cut New South Wales a brand new one. So, like I say, there's no no need for either club to get into panic mode. There's no need to make um, wholesale changes. I don't know where Ruben Cotter's at. I'm in my car at the moment driving back to Sydney, but I mean, I'd have him in any side. Uh, but apart from that, mate, it's just going to be an absolute cracker of a game, which anyone, anyone can win. And history will show... Uh, the fact that New South Wales won 44-12 means absolutely nothing going into a decider in Queensland. I think the biggest positive you can take out of it as well is the is the the biggest stat for me out of the game was that Queensland had two play the balls in the opposition 20 for the whole game. Just two. And the fact that, you know, I, I know that they lost by 30, but to me it could have been a lot, lot more. Moving on to rep round, uh, what was the highlight for you across the rep round? Um, well, you know what I thought? I don't know. This is. I think it's a highlight. Well, I'll take it as a highlight. Obviously, I thought uh, the women's game. No, well, let me start on, on on the women's game before I go to where I was going. The women's game was certainly a highlight. I think we saw 11,000 people watching the girls play at, at uh, in Canberra, and obviously the level of skill we're seeing at NRLW level is just growing and growing and growing all the time. And I find a lot of these girls now becoming certainly where I live. Some of them are just household names, which is absolutely fantastic. And I find now that when I call those games, I know who they all are, and I think that's absolutely tremendous. But the point I was going to make is, in the New Zealand-Tonga game, I thought Tonga would be a lot better. I think they're just a little bit um, underdone around the halves, but it was great to see New Zealand have a win. 
Are you a fan of having uh, this rep round in the middle of the year? Because as we know, next year this 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 round will be scrapped and it'll move to the, all the international footy will go to the end of the year and Origins will go back to Wednesdays. Are you a fan of having this middle week for international football and rep- representative football? Uh, no, look, I, I'd have it at the end of the year, mate. But, you know, I think it's great for these um, emerging clubs like uh, you know uh, Lebanon or Italy and you know a lot of these emerging. Clubs. It's a great contest for them, but I think it needs to be played at the end of the year when everything else is all said and done. But having this argument with Origin, which I know you're not from, but you know we have this argument every year about the placement of Origin. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be played where it's played, and uh, well, because we all just love it so much. Yeah, I agree with you. And just rounding out on representative football, I believe this is the best New Zealand team of all time. Do you think they can win the World Cup? Uh you know what, mate? Not to name drop, but I just come from a function with Joey Johns, who I would regard as probably the best rugby league mind, certainly that I know. Yep. Uh, and, mate, he says the form that New Zealand are in, uh, we could see a really, really close uh, and hard-fought World Cup for Australia. So wouldn't it be great, mate? I mean, wouldn't it be great? Don't we love to see um, at, at, at that level a club that can genuinely go toe-to-toe again with Australia and maybe beat Australia, although we do want to see Australia win. And, mate, I've got to agree, they really are... It's, it's a really classy-looking side. They probably can't afford to have too many injuries, but it's a really good side. And that, that spine just for New Zealand, that's where it starts, doesn't it? You don't even have to mention the forward pack, which is outstanding, but Manu, Hughes, Brown, Smith, that is world-class. Oh, mate, it's as good as anywhere you go. And I think um, it's a good lesson for, as you say, once you've got that spine in place, uh, and I think sometimes when we see, have this discussion about teams at um, at club level, at NRL level, and, you know, when clubs are trying to rebuild, uh, you know, there's one or two of these clubs that have had rebuilds in the last couple of years, uh, but they haven't changed so much the half or the hooker or they've maybe taken the wrong option at number one. I, I think if you, you know, when rebuilding a club, if you've got a halfback, if you've got a good halfback, good hooker, good fullback, I'll tell you what, mate, it's like you said, then you can worry about everything else because we look at Newcastle. Now, Newcastle Knights, they let Mitchell Pearce go about, you know, 10 weeks before the kickoff of the NRL season. I mean, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah. Same with the Titans, Jamal Fogarty leaving. Absolutely. I mean, they, to me, from the outside looking in, more than any other club, they make some horrendous decisions in recruiting. I'm not saying that that's one person in particular. That's probably over a a period of two or three different recruiting arrangements there. But you've only got to go back, Tom, five or six, seven years, maybe eight, nine years, in fact, when Neil Henry was coaching them. And uh, they seem to have found their rhythm as a club that could make the finals. Then they bring in, for no real reason, they go out of their way to get Jared Hayne. Jared Hayne doesn't get on with Neil King. Next minute, Neil King's gone. Jared Hayne's gone. Next minute, Jared Hayne's gone. It kind of derailed the whole thing. So I think that's one club that really needs to look at, are they getting it right in in that area of recruitment? I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I heard a rumour, and I'm not sure how true this is, but I, I hope for their sake that it's not that uh, they could move on from David Fafita and go after Payne Haas. And I, and I thought to myself, what are we doing here? Like, this is this just... 
this boggles the brain. This, the spine is is if it's in a photo finish for the worst spine in the comp when you really look at it as a collective, yeah. and we're investing all these money in 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 forwards. It's it's not going to work. You know what else, mate? You know they are really big on these little players. You know they. I don't think you can have too many little players in a team. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and. I, I know it's harsh to say that their spine is one of the worst in the comp, but the biggest thing against it, and I was talking to Sterlo at the start of the year about this, it's extremely young. It's extremely young. You know, between Aaron Clark, AJ Brimson, Jaden Campbell, and Toby Sexton, is there someone that's played 60 games in there? Like, it, AJ Brimson might be close, but, geez, it's, 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 a, it's a tough task when you're trying to make finals and you let go your, your captain and your main playmaker in Jamal Fogarty. And then, and then move on from the Titans. I think that that's, that's where you've got to start for them. We'll move yep. on to South Sydney. They're obviously not travelling as well as what you would have hoped. Uh, what's disappointed you most about this season so far? Look, mate, I think there's a, you know, you, you open a can of worms when you ask me about the Rabbitohs. I think <laughs> this year, uh, for, say the last five or six seasons, the Rabbitohs have played in so many... Um, um, qualifying finals to make it into the grand final and lost them, and then made the grand final and lost the grand final. So that window of opportunity is only open for so long, you know. And then Adam Reynolds moves on. That's proving to really hurt South and really benefit the Broncos. Um, but I have a, a personal uh, uh, friendship with Adam and his family, so. I, I'm just happy to see whatever's best for Adam in that regard. But certainly the Rabbitohs miss Adam Reynolds. I think they miss uh, Sewer a lot, and it, certainly they miss Gagai at club level. So I think that window of, of opportunity, if I can be completely honest with you, mate, I think that window of opportunity to win the Premiership has gone for now. Uh, I can accept that. I can accept that. Um, and... You know, having said that, you know, that that game against the Dragons, I thought that was a woeful effort on some of their part. And I felt terribly sorry that the poor little halfback was hooked. I thought with great respect, maybe if he was going to hook anyone, he might have wanted to hook Cody Walker. But I don't know. Cody hasn't been himself this, this season either. So I think the window of opportunity for the Rabbitohs to win the comp is probably gone for now as it has with the Roosters and you know what else Tom if they start losing a couple of these games over the next couple of weeks they're going to really drift away from the top six which means that they're probably going to finish top eight and we all know how it is hard it is to make the grand final from there you make a really great point, and I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more when they when they benched Lachlan Elias when they did like it was still in the first half to me there was a lot I know he's a first year coach but to me there's a lot more uh, graceful ways you could have done that with sending the same message if you wanted to. You could do the old ice pack at halftime. Uh, he's done a shoulder or something, you know, like you, you can you can get him off better than that. Whereas if he really wanted to send a message, I agree with you. Cody Walker was the one that needed to be dropped that night because they weren't coming back from 32-0 down at halftime. No, and look, I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Jason Dimitrio. I, I don't get as involved with the bunnies at club level anymore because my commitments with Triple Emma are just so I'm just so busy there. But I haven't met Jason Dimitrio, but by God, he, you look at him in the coach's box, 
he looks like one of these blokes that fires up quite easily. And maybe that was just an impulse reaction to... But I don't know what good it's done. It did Lachlan Ilias. Um, uh, again, I'll refer back to Joey Johns. And Joey thinks Lachlan Ilias has got a really good future and is a really good halfback. And he also made the point, Tom, that, you know, there's not a lot of good halfbacks getting around. I think I could probably name you three or four clubs that need a halfback, and that might make all the difference. They have a pretty brutal run home. Do you think they can still make finals? Look, I think they'll... Look, I'm being completely honest with you. And when it comes to the Bunnies, I'm not always. But <laughs> I, I think they'll make the finals, but I don't think they're going to make the grand final. I don't think they're going to go that far into the finals. Um, I'm hoping that they'll finish, you know. But I think there's a lot of pressure coming from the Dragons and a lot of pressure coming from the Raiders. But something tells me the Dragons are going to get better. So, you know, uh, and I think that's a good thing. That's a sign of who's coaching them now. Damien Cook is looking for an extension. He wants three years. He's just turned 31. Is there any hesitation from yourself at three years? Yeah, I wouldn't be giving him three years. I I, I think that's a... I mean, this is the same issue that uh, with Adam Reynolds, you know, but maybe Adam was more prone to injury. I think think Damien Cook might have been a late bloomer, as in when he first played first grade, but... I think three years is a long time. I'd be looking at more of, of the two-year thing. Uh, three years is a long time. And as we know with rugby league players and coaches anyway um, in 2022 and 2023 and beyond, what is, a, what is a contract anyway when they need to get out of it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I actually think it's a great sign from Damien Cook that, he, first of all, he wants to stay, even though I... I do think his form has probably dipped over the last couple of years. I do think it's a good sign that he wants to say because if he was being totally selfish, Maroon, you know, there are a lot of clubs that need a nine and someone of Damien Cook's calibre. For example, if the Titans saw Damien Cook on the market, surely they were throwing all the dollars to try to get Damien Cook. But um, it, it comes back to the same conversation as we had 12 months ago about Adam Reynolds, doesn't it? And, you know, these, these long-term deals seems to be a real sticking point for South at the moment. Well, uh, you know what, perhaps, you know, perhaps the salary cap, you know, sometimes the salary cap's a little out of order and sometimes it's way, way, way out of order. So I think this is probably more than anything all about the salary cap and making sure it stays in order. I mean, we've seen some of these clubs having issues with their salary cap, the dogs being one of them, mate. It takes forever. It takes forever to get things right again. And by the time you get things right again, uh, players are shy to go to the club because they think the club are cellar dwellers. So, you know, maybe it's the, maybe it's coming back to um, that. I don't know. I know the Rabbitohs have got a young kid, uh, Peter Marmazelis, Peter Marmazulis, yep. um, and they have a, a real faith in him moving forward. And it, uh, this is the other thing too, Tom. If you don't if you don't promote these younger players, at some point they're going to move on. So, um, you know, but I think three years for a bloke of 31 years old. No, I think it's too long, personally. Finally, Maroon, I'll finish up with some commentary news as of recently. Ray Warren recently retired. Most people will consider him the main voice of rugby league. Uh, as one of the most prominent calls yourself, can I ask you what Ray meant to you? Well, look, I think that um, for any caller, certainly for me, he was an inspiration for me when I was a kid. So when I was, say, eight or nine, I used to hear him commentating the Amco Cup um, and then, obviously, going into the media myself, I'd hear him commentating for the Nine Network. And 
I always was inspired by the fact that Rabs not only was brilliant as calling the game, but he also had a, a sense of humour. And um, and then having moved into Triple M uh, 20 odd years ago, or probably more now, and I worked there with Rabs for a while, and I just thought that was a wonderful experience because to get to know Rabs as a person, you know, he's very he's very human, mate. You know, he's a a wonderful, likable human being. He always thinks he's sick. He always thinks he's going to die of something. Um, but he's just so lovely and he's just so human when you get to know him. He's, he's just so normal. He's not in any way conceited. He's just a lovely bloke. And I think for me and for blokes like me, um, you know, we have all probably been inspired by him and to some extent tried to imitate him but I don't think anyone has got within eight car lengths of how good he is as a commentator. Can you take me behind the scenes? What, what goes into a call and how much, how much work do you do pre-game? So what I do, mate, is I, I go and... I'm a big fan of uh, preparation. I always tell, you know, when people try to be funny on the radio, I say to them, look, if you go on prepared, the funny stuff will be come very natural to you because you'll be relaxed because you'll be prepared and the best way to get prepared is just first of all I would sit down like so there's a game the next game I call in my uh, roster is this um, is a Titans game so sit down and just learn the names like you were at school just writing it down write it down write it down I write it down about 15 20 times so you know um, and by this time of the season you normally know them anyway but write them all down so that you can if you see a player's number, you can identify him by number. If you see his face, you know what I mean? Like some of them have got red hair, some of them are bald, some of them have got beards, some of them are Polynesians, some of them are, you know, they're all different shapes and sizes. Uh, but then if you know the number, you can know who it is when they're running past you or they're on the grass. Um, and then once you've done that, mate, you just go and get, um, you know, some facts some stats, but you don't want to overdo it. I think a lot of these callers now, they overdo it, mate. They've got stats about, you know, how many times the bloke ate a bacon and egg roll and what shoe he puts on first, and you know. I don't think you need all that, just a few stats. And then if you've got experts with you, which you always do, I mean, I only played footy uh, when I was a kid, and, mate, I was absolutely... I was terrible. I was reserved for the team I played for. I was terrible. And I've got Wendell Saylor with me or Aaron Woods or Ryan Girdler. Let them make the expert comments. Let, let them make the comments about what goes on in football. I think if you get those things right and you can have a little bit of fun, oh, that's what it's all about. Because, you know, sometimes, Tom, you get a game and it might be the Titans playing the Tigers. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, no, you know, that, that, that game's not going to have any impact on the world, is it? <laughs> Did, did commentating come natural to you when you first started calling games? Mate, it really, it really is funny, you know. I, I, I used to just, because I loved footy so much, you know, it kind of found me. People would be saying to me, you should call the footy, you should call the footy. And about 25 years ago, I was working for Wynn, which is a mob in Wollongong, but it's a national thing now, Wynn. Um, but it was in Wollongong uh, back then. And um, uh, for those who don't know Wollongong, it's about an hour and 10 minutes south of Sydney. So I worked there and there was a team then called the Steelers. So 
I started calling Steelers games um, for the radio station down there, which is called I-98 FM. And then when I left there, I left there to come to Triple M. They didn't have the footy rights there then, but we had this boss named Guy Dobson, who was a, a great fella, Dobbo, and Guy Dobson used to always say to me, mate, when we get the footy rights, you're going to call the footy. And, and, this, and he must have said it to me for five or six years, and then we got the Monday night footy rights, and uh, anyway, we're all going to a wedding one night, and, and my wife and I were in the car, and um, this is probably 15, 16 years ago, and we picked Dobbo up, Guy Dobson, we picked him up, to go to this wedding, and he said to me, mate, and he, he goes, you're going to be calling the footy, don't you know? That, like, he, he, he'd, he'd known other people that put their hand up, but he, he made it clear to me that I was going to be the guy that got the, got the start, and that was uh, back in those days, Triple M had Monday night footy, so I was back then doing that. Well, Maroon, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I've heard from a lot of people who've wanted me to get you back on, so I appreciate your time as always. Well, no worries, mate, and thank you very much for thinking of me. It's uh, nice to see, uh, nice to talk to you again, and nice to know you're putting in the effort. Uh, and, mate, uh, you know, I've listened to you. You sound fantastic. Not that you need me to tell you that, but I really appreciate you asking. A big thanks to Maroon for coming on the show today. Like I've said before, I think he's one of the best commentators in the game, and you can catch him calling all the action on Triple M. By the way, if you want to get in contact with me, you can on Twitter at tcanfell. And don't forget to give the 6 to go Facebook page a like as well. My name is Tom Canfell. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And until next time, this has been the 6 to go podcast and that is full time.